Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. It's Homo Sapiens time. Hi, how are we? I'm sitting in a freezing cold room because there's a frost this morning. If I jog on the spot, I hope you'll forgive me. But I shall be warming up soon because I'm sitting here in the dark. I forgot to turn the lights on. I'm quite liking because it's early morning. Have you seen? Have you seen? You're not with me. I feel like you're with me. Uh, There's all these birds chattering outside. It's really lovely. And I'm looking at all the leaves turning to orange and it is just the most beautiful time of year and there's a low mist hanging over the garden and I've got a coffee I've got a boiling hot coffee almost too hot to drink not that you'll hear me slurp it listeners because ah once bitten twice shy as they say um I'm going away with my mother today we're going on a little trip and we already had a rather intense discussion about how she's going to get to the airport because train strikes in the UK, there are train strikes at the moment for our international listeners, uh, which, you know, um, all power to the unions, but um, also all power to my mini break. So uh, we're trying to work out how we get to the station. And my mother is being a little defiant is all I'm going to say. So it was a real masterclass, actually, because she wanted to get the train. And I said, cool, interesting, because train strikes have been cancelled, but there's still loads of disruption because they couldn't book the drivers or something. So it's the equivalent of a train strike. She was like, well, if there's a problem, I'll just get a cab. So I just said, fine, in that way that English people do. Fine. Little bit of a prickly conversation. And then I thought, why am I doing this? Why am I not just having the conversation? So I left it for a day, because you've got to do that, I feel. And I called her and I said, Mum, you're doing my head in with your travel arrangements because I'm feeling really stressed about the fact that you're not going to get to the airport on time and we're going to miss our flight because you can't get there by train. She's like, I can just get a taxi if there's no trains. I was like, you're going to be trying to get a taxi, a minicab, at the precise moment that you and 40 other people on the platform realise there's no trains. Please, can we not do this? I don't want the stress. And she's very nice. And she said, fine, I'll get a taxi. But we had it out. You know, that's the thing about traveling, isn't it? You've got to basically, if you've got to go somewhere with someone, you have to find a a Venn diagram of each of your anxieties. I'm sure we'll be experiencing more of each other's on our little mini break. I love going away with my mum. She is the best news. She is always fun, always great fun to be around. And I'm just thoroughly looking forward to it. What else am I looking forward to, listeners? Well, Today, I'm chatting to the brilliant Tom Allen. Um, he is comedian. He hosts another slice on Bake Off. 
He is an author. He's written he wrote a beautiful book about growing up as a queer kid. And he's written another book called Too Much, which is basically about his dad dying. And Tom says this other thing, which is like he tries to take on, is it David Sedaris, David Sedaris, previous guest available on the feed, um, his advice saying, you know, write what you're ashamed about. And he just really does that. He just does this wonderful thing of like, talking about all the stuff and there's so much queerness in this book that we spoke about it's a really brilliant brilliant chat so that's coming up and you lot have all been liking sharing commenting on the billy eichner and luke mcfarlane special for bros the film last week which is really cool um t-shirts the new designs have been released on our Instagram and you can win one for a limited time only by writing us a review on Apple Podcast listeners. Klaxon, Klaxon. Go to the Instagram and have a look and see what they're like. They're very witty, I would say. Um, designed by wonderful George, who works on the podcast. Try and win one. Please write us a review. If you win review of the week, you could win one. Keep emailing us, hello at homosapienspodcast.com or on Instagram at homosapiens. Tell us what you thought of the episode. Send us an anonymous agony uncles to be answered. Get in touch, uh, however you like. Now let's have a look at these emails and messages, shall we? Yannick got in touch about the Tuvalu episode. Thank you for your podcast for this episode because your your work, I feel less broken and thanks for the ace visibility. Yannick, we aim to please it's our pleasure um more bros chat leanne absolutely loved bros billy was utterly wonderful travelly said it's great amazing chemistry i'm just so gutted for a film for the lgbtqia plus massive cannot break into the uk box office top 10 with this and queer as folk being cancelled what can we do to stop this well listeners what do you think what can we do travelly's feeling like we're not getting enough traction at the box office if i had the answer woo. I'd be rich. We also asked you for your thoughts on Heartstopper's Kit Connor announcing he'd basically been forced to come out as bisexual due to accusations of queer baiting. Really, really sad that a young lad, God, I sound like my mother, like him, was forced to do anything. You should be able to come out in your own time, no matter what your situation. Guacamum said, shocking, it's no one else's story to tell. Off the hook said, nothing changes, and life-imitating script wasn't the deal, was it? No, absolutely. Olwen says, Kit shows so much empathy and thoughtfulness towards others, so true, and gets this treatment in return. Bird said, bad, he felt forced to come out. Hope that out of a bad situation, he can be his authentic self. Yeah, very true. Rye Prince said, so sad you need to do that. It's just no one's business. Just want to give him a big hug. Too right, me too. Not shocked. We demand queer actors play queer roles, says DNLS Silve. Sad that it's impacted an 18-year-old. I hope he has people, says Herbie, to support him. He should have been able to come out on his own terms. Yeah. Joel says, my thought, this is not the 90s when I came out. He deserves privacy. We fought for it. So true. Um... Yeah, well, Kit, we are sending you all our love. It shouldn't have happened. And uh, I hope you're okay. Now, let's go and have a listen to that there, Tom Allen. This interview is a scream because Tom is nothing other than a full-time scream. Here we go. We're in a lovely little uh, reading nook at your publishers, I would say. Yes, it is. And I, as you said, that thought... Gosh, the word nook gets used a lot. <laughs> Breakfast nook, reading nook. It's very changing rooms, isn't it? Oh, very. Do you yeah. like a makeover show? Oh, I love it, actually. Yeah, love it. 
like Alan Carr's one. I like Angela Scanlon's one when they've got the headpieces oh, on. The visualization. Yeah. Favorite show of that ilk. Oh, that's a tough one, isn't it? Because do you know who I did always enjoy was Colin and Justin, the Scottish oh my God. gay couple. Um, I, what happened to them? Did they move to Hollywood? They were so funny. They were. And do you remember, this is how time changes, it was a, quite a thing that they were gay amongst mm. the gays. Do you know what I mean? Mm. It was like, did you know they're a couple? And it was like, <gasps> what, they're actually a couple. And there was always kind of like talk about, well, I think Colin was the taller one. Is that right? With the dark hair. The dark hair. Yeah. And Justin was slightly more, let's say, bossy. <laughs> <laughs> and I always thought that dynamic was fascinating to watch. I'm like, no, Colin, I'm not, I'm sorry, I'm not going to do that. We're not going to have paisley cushions on my yeah. chaise longue, because it was a time for sort of quite gauche. And I note from reading your wonderful book oh. that you have just moved into a new home. Bought my first home. Are we redecorating? Well, I'm so glad you asked, <laughs> because... Tom is holding his Pinterest board uh, actually, printed down. <laughs> Onto a one board. The point. Yeah, I thought that's what this was about. No, well, I haven't redecorated because the previous owners did a very good job of making it very nice. Mm-hmm. Lots of sort of neutral tones it makes it very light and airy, very easy to put. For example, a fig tree, a grand piano, uh, <laughs> whatever you've got. <laughs> I was thinking, fig tree, very hipster. When's he going to say something classic and old-fashioned? Enter stage left, grand and piano. There you go, right there. What's your style you're going for? Because in my head, Mm. it's quite traditional and perhaps a little Baroque. Well, indeed. Yes, that's true. Well, when it's someone else's house, what I've realised is, for example, my mum's house, I can be very... What you should do here is build a reading nook. What you should do here is, why don't you just paint this room red? It'll look amazing. Do the ceilings, do everything the same. And mum's like, why would I paint it red? It'll look like a brothel. Um... (laughs) And I'm obviously very bold with other people's places, but when it comes to my space, Mm -hmm. I'm very nervous because I don't want to mess it up. There's lots of, like, neutral greys, which don't really suit what is essentially a Victorian house. I'd like it to be in a more sort of formal Victorian, Georgian-y sort of style that's a little bit more sparse, but tasteful. So do you follow someone on Instagram called Trad Chat? I was exactly going to say that. Uh, We're so in sync, aren't we? You're not gay, are you? No, no, not anymore. <laughs> I exhausted it. <laughs> I exhausted you, it in that sentence. Yeah, you've just you've done all your air miles. <laughs> um, so Trad Chat, for people listening, is this amazing guy called Jack Lavister Brown, I think. You think? I think. <laughs> <laughs> um Okay, yes, he's handsome, Tom. Um, But he does up houses in this beautiful old traditional style, like Georgian style, and he gets lovely furniture and you can buy his stuff online. Follow him at Tradchap, wonderful man, and a really nice person. Yes, it's a bit like Man with a Hammer. Follow him. (laughs) No, who's that? Man with a Hammer is a very nice man called Greg, who's doing up a huge place in Plymouth that he got for a song, The Admiralty. Um, the Ad- Admiralty building, and he's doing it up meticulously, uh-huh. bit by bit, all on his own. It's wonderful. And is he is he wholesome? Because Man with the Hammer sounds a little bit sexy, clickbaity. Because what I like about oh, Trad Chap is he's not saying he's doing something while showing me his muscles. And because mm. um, sometimes I end up in these wormholes of like incredibly hot people doing things. There is that gay couple in I want to say Warwickshire. Uh-huh. They are doing up a very traditional house, but they're they're very handsome. Mm-hmm. And I know exactly who you mean. Sorry, they're you, quite young. Yeah, like yeah. I think they have some lovely dogs. The classic sort of yeah. things, but you know, very well chosen guttering. Mm. Very in you know sympathetic to the architecture. So you 
want that kind of trad chap look. I think so, yeah. Okay. That's my dream. But I don't know how to go about it. But you had a funny thing where the people who used to live in your house came round to the house you just bought, right? Well, I had the people who owned it years ago came round. You're in our house! (laughs) (laughs) And they, bless them, lived there like 30 years ago, I think, maybe more. And they are quite, quite frail now. But they said, you live in our house. I, I was very sorry to see the recent owners have changed it all, made it very modern. And, but they were of that social grouping and age that means you don't ever listen. I think oh my older people don't tend to listen and posh people don't tend to listen. No. Combined. They don't it, have ears. They basically don't. Yeah. I, I was saying, well, I quite like the traditional look. I was, I was going to return some of that. Have you kept my rockery? You must keep a rockery. <laughs> I, well, I don't know. No, the previous owners put in a stick. Oh, what a shame. But they've already moved on while you're answering the question. Yeah, absolutely. I said, would you like to come in? And they said, OK. And it was really lovely to have them in. But of course, I'm such a natural people pleaser slash codependent that I was immediately trying to impress them. Yeah. So I was like, um, do, you, do you like this room? And they're like, oh, well, we had lovely carpets here. And then the husband was like, would you like to buy the lantern we had in the hallway? Oh, no, they wouldn't like to buy the lantern in the hallway. They've got it very modern now. You're thinking out. Well, out. there were two moments that really stuck out in that visit. One was when I said, oh, I'm thinking of growing some vegetables in the garden, thinking that was quite a trad chap thing to do. <clears throat> quite a sort of, you know, those kind of raised beds. I think Nigel Slater has them. Yes. I say I think, I know, because I look at his Instagram almost his constantly. Instagram, that house is unbelievable. Oh, have you been in it? No, but I've seen all the photos because mm. he's photographed every corner. Every corner of it. Mm. Good for you, Nigel. Mm. Get it. And um, <laughs> I've resigned myself to never meeting him now. I did once see him at Chelsea Flower Show and I wanted, my mum was like, why don't you go and say hello? And I was like, no, he'll be annoyed by me. He'll be irritated. <laughs> I just know it. No, oh, I think he'd sh- love to say hello. It'll shatter, it'll shatter so much. For you or him? Me. No, I'm sure he's very polite, but I'm sure he'd be... Anyway, there's you with your raised beds. Well, and I said, I'm thinking of growing vegetables, and they looked so disgusted. And she said, oh, I should get an allotment for that. As if, like, growing vegetables in your garden at one point, I suppose, was quite common. Mm, right. Um, and I said, why would I get an allotment? A, you have to go on a waiting list. B, why would You've I go there. go there? Why would I step out of my door here and it's there? And then as they were leaving, the husband looked up the stairs where there's like a mini half landing right. with a window. I have some plants there and a chair. You might call it a reading nook. <laughs> he looked at me and went, oh, I see you've got rid of our glory hole. <laughs> and... And my boyfriend, Alfie, was like, you know, like when someone's eyebrows are like, they're trying to wrestle them back down. <laughs> I said, what, what? Sorry, he said, yes, our glory hole's at the top of the stairs. I said, oh, was that, what was that for? And he said, oh, anything you like, really. And then it tickled a memory, sadly, at the back of my mind that recalled that, I think it's an old word for a cupboard, isn't it, a glory hole? I didn't know that. Uh... And that explains so many incidents that you've been caught up in. <laughs> Exactly. Honestly, I was looking for the mop. And... <laughs> if anything, I thought I was in the closet. <laughs> yeah, no, I'll tell no. you what jumped out at me. <laughs> I just hung the Hoover attachments on. <laughs> Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ. The future isn't scary, not realizing its potential, however, could be. 
Just like on the recruiting trail, I've seen potential come in many forms as a coach. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. You mentioned Alfie, your new boyfriend, because yes. when we spoke last, you were talking really interestingly about something that I think a lot of LGBTQ plus people feel is that they're not getting it right in terms of relationships and arriving at certain milestones oh, yeah. and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Oh, he's having a right old moan, honestly. And then... Uh, so dull. Smash yeah. cut too. Well, what... I think there was this big sort of change in my life last year in that... I wrote my previous book mm-hmm. and it talks about feeling like this kind of arrested development living at home with my parents. Mm. And then I bought my own home with a mortgage, I hasten to add. But, um, um, honestly, he's still so normal, I promise. He's so normal. <laughs> hardly any glory holes. And he got his own house, moved out, got got a boyfriend. Mm-hmm. We'd been sort of seeing each other for a little while and then we were like, maybe this is a bit more mm. serious than we are acknowledging and so it became a thing and then my parents met him sort of by surprise which i was furious about because i was like no i want to have like a formal meal where we'll meet probably oh i love it but then what happened in early december last year is my dad had a heart attack and died well um thank you for saying that um you didn't kill him did you for once i wasn't involved <laughs> there's always feels like when someone says i'm sorry you always feel like you should say oh don't don't be sorry. Oh, I know, it's so weird, but it's it? sort of meant. I'm sorry for your loss. Not, yes. I'm sorry, I killed them. <laughs> um, but yeah, so Dad died very, very suddenly, and it was a big shock. And, and Alf and I got on our first that like, big holiday together. Holiday at all? Any holiday? Because um, and it was well because we hadn't been able to go anywhere. It was kind of such a big thing, and we were there for a day, and then had to fly back. And I think I was in shock for. Because your dad died while you're on holiday. Because my dad died, yeah. Mm. On, my brother phoned. And I saw a missed call from mum and dad. And I was like, they just want to look around the room and stuff. I'll have to phone them in the morning. And I thought, I'll just give them a quick call. We were doing that thing of like getting into the holiday vibe, reading books. Um, he was having a nap. It was the evening there because we were in the Caribbean, which I'd never been to before. It felt so extravagant to go to. Um, it was really wonderful. And then the evening was drawing in and there was a storm brewing, a tropical storm. And um, yeah, I saw this call and I thought, I'll just give him a quick call. And my brother picked up and I thought, well, I, I thought it was somebody else. There's other elderly people that mum and dad knew. And then, you know, when you just, it's that moment when your blood freezes. There's mm-hmm. cliches of it. but But like, I just felt this kind of, that brace that your body does mm. of news and you know when it's a an unexpected person to pick up the phone and i said are you all right and he said no not really and then told me that he died on the train on the way there on the on the way to the theater they they began to the theater that that evening and um i bought the i bought the tickets mm. so i was like oh god i shouldn't, shouldn't have done that yeah and so he came back and then that was that was it but it it sort of that particular thing but also the other things as well just made me kind of shift in my life to a place where suddenly I don't know. I was kind of, 
it reframed everything and reframed all those moments of kind of worrying. And, and I realised how I'd never really allowed myself to be young in those sort of early phases. You know, we say about like LGBT people. And, yeah queer people feeling like they've got to be so much more grown up all the time. But I realised that uh, looking back, I, ha- I just sort of looked back on my younger self with much greater sympathy. Interesting. Because when you say young, do you mean like sort of that teenage mid-twenties larking around, snogging people Yes, thing? and thirties really. Yeah. Right, okay, interesting. Mm. Sort of not being sure where I'm supposed to be. And then suddenly it all was like, oh, I see now. And, and it made sense that I'd moved back to my parents uh-huh. because... I wanted to be around them and I didn't have that much time with them. Yeah. I did, I suppose, but, um, you know, it made sense. And, and so, so yeah, so, sorry, I'm sort of jumped off a diving board into describing lots of bits about the book and you just said, oh, you've got a boyfriend. <laughs> well, they're all linked. I think two things. I sort of wanted to ask you about Alfie and how you met, but maybe let's come back to that. What really struck me is that you said that when your dad died, very sadly, it was accompanied by the fact that you never really wanted to leave them because you were worried something would happen and you'd just gone on holiday. And you also felt like you always had to protect them and you'd bought the tickets for them to go to the theatre, which is obviously not why he died. No, no, no. For an an anxious person, I speak as well myself. Yes. It's the worst thing to happen. Yes, yes. Well, a friend of mine pointed out recently... Well, it's not the worst thing to happen because someone died. No, well... No, no. (laughs) But um, we know what you mean. The... um, the thing was, uh, yes, you, you, the, bri- the, the brain, the mind. Um, <laughs> the brain. The brain, as I like to call it. <laughs> or the main, I'm easy. <laughs> oh, the main, the main brain, uh, which I keep in salted water. Um, I, <laughs> for Christmas, and I, <laughs> with a turkey, and um, it computes it that you create stories for yourself all the time. Yes. So you go, oh, I shouldn't, the last time I relaxed and went on holiday, someone very close to me died. Mm -hmm. So therefore you can never relax again because that will happen next time. Which is obviously not true. And I suppose those are the sort of human beings naturally do it, don't they, to try and make sense of the world around them. And that's why we have superstitions and we have all sorts of stories we tell ourselves. I've been doing this thing in therapy about delineating between what happened and Mm. what did you tell yourself that happened and why why it happened. Yeah, it just very quickly unpicks how you feel about things and, and yeah. you do just you place narratives on things and that isn't what happened you're always looking to join things as because yeah. because because and it's actually not it's not and it's it's almost a way i think of denying the fact that we're alive like mm-hmm. that we're kind of like we are a joint, we're only here for a limited time you know it's all these sort of things that create the illusion of control i think that's yes. what the basis of a lot of well my anxious moments have been well because unless you're like i live in something which is uh cause and effect and i'm pretty central to those causes and effect yes you're facing up to the truth that you're just sitting on a rock in a million bazillion miles of nothing and it doesn't matter it doesn't matter yeah and that is kind of unbearable to think about but at the same time it's quite calming when you do think about it well when you're in a reading nook it does make it easier doesn't it? well of course one's reading nook is is imperative (laughs) um (laughs) but then a sudden death as well i think is a whole thing because my dad died six years ago um (laughs) you didn't do it did you um (laughs) if you did you did it extremely slowly is what i was going to say because which would be your style um (laughs) (laughs) he he died it took years for him to die i mean and because he had cancer basically Mm. so it's incredibly slow decline Throughout year, two years of like him properly dying, you can all be in denial and all, all different members of the family at different stages of denial at different points. So it's quite full on. 
but also like i mean the priest came into his hospital room five days in a row to read him last rites they will open oh. the door they're like <laughs> took one look at him last rites we were like well we did do <laughs> still clinging on and so in many ways when he died it was a relief in some ways we'd already said goodbye it's really sad I've, I've spoken on this podcast about how i didn't actually feel that sad and i think that's you know its own fucked up thing that you know we're exploring i think but i think that's a well that's a, i was gonna but yeah i think it's the complexity of the emotions as well i think at that time yeah but it's a sudden death is something completely different i imagine well um uh, i don't know i suppose yes i found the shock the experience of shock people talk about your body goes in shock i was kind of um high really? is the only way i can describe it. it it felt like i was sort of particularly when I was abroad. And so we had to wait like 24 hours for the flight, the next flight home. And I felt kind of like, oh, it's fine. Everything's fine. Actually, I'm fine with this. This is actually okay. Actually, everything's fine. Um, and even when I got home, my brother and my mum had been there at the train station, Grove Park, where it happened. And I hadn't. So I took walked in and I was like, it's fine. Actually, it's fine. Actually, it's fine. And because of that, I think that made it more distant I never saw Dad, like, in the Chapel of Rest or anything like that. Right. But I don't know whether I should have done or not. But it took me... One of the things I found about in... in not to bring it back to the book, but in the book. Because I sort of <laughs> write about the first six months of dealing with it. I'm sort of writing it in the... Because that's the time I was writing. And mm. I tried to just be honest there. But it took a time to realise that I was feeling anxieties or anger or frustrations about for example, Jersey Airport, um, which I had a very disappointing experience with. And then realising, like, well, that's kind of me just dealing with mm. the the grief here. Yeah, and if you're British, particularly, and it's, it's, a, it's the only version I know, you don't do the simple route of, like, I feel this, therefore I express it. You hold it in, tell everyone it's fine, and then it has, like, water has to find its other way out yes and then you just behave strangely yes everyone has to unpick it and you will have to do that together probably as a family if it's the death in the family yes and of course different people are going through it at different times and of course one's focus as a child i think turns to if your parents are together turns to the other parent yeah. to make sure they're okay mm. um which is of course ex- expected but but it does mean you kind of have to wait to do your bit of grieving yeah you've also just got to be really forgiving to everybody about doing it their way not your way i found you know like you're doing it differently to me but that's okay even though i think that's not the right way or whatever you know yeah it's it's really strange and it's a process it's a process Mm. it's a process but i find it's really good to talk about it maybe other people are like oh god here he goes but <laughs> no do, do i'm interested in parents of lgbt people no i, I am interested in that but um, of course, we're all interested in our friends moms i mean <laughs> i'm interested in queer kids and their dads and that relationship because uh you know i always try and just be really honest on this podcast so I don't want to give like a one-sided version of events, but I want to give like an honest version of events. What I think is really odd for me about my dad is that growing up and realising I was gay, I weirdly somehow held him very accountable for masculinity in our family. And I was, I remember feeling angry with him about my own lack of masculinity. 
this is fucked up, but as in, yeah. like, you arrive there in that yeah, thing. Yeah, whatever, yeah, you get that. And, and actually, it's because my dad was a wonderful man who didn't buy into that shit. But oh. as a teenager growing up, I wanted that. I wanted the one of those classic dads. Oh, I see, yes. P.S. Reader, I married him. But um, <laughs> <laughs> um, honestly, the therapist is always right. But, you know, like, it, it is, um, it's a funny footing to have for, for, a, for a relationship with your dad because it's actually, it's, it's none of it's true. And it was, it was my own shit. You know what I mean? But I wondered if you, I, it also because it's the person, if you're a gay man, and this can be if you're a queer woman or if, whatever member of the spectrum you are, the person in your parental thing who you identify with most technically, but perhaps absolutely don't. And that's really upsetting and you worry. And I wonder what that was like for you. Well, I think as well, it's what, what I realised in writing about my relationship with my dad was that it was complicated. Mm-hmm. And, the, you know, there were times when we really didn't get on at all, like we'd really argue. Um, but there were times when we were very close in a way, but it was in a way that wasn't what you'd see in a film or a musical. Mm-hmm. And I think as well, my dad was born in 1941. He was from a time when it was a different world, very different. And he grew up, you know, with, there weren't any queer people in in public life and it was illegal. So <laughs> it was quite different. <laughs> so, um, so I was always aware of that. But also at the same time, very mindful that w- when I did come out to him, my mum was like, don't come out to your dad just yet. But when I did come out to him, he was the most emotional and all he want- worried about was caring about me and you know, he was aware of, he'd been aware through the news of like HIV AIDS. Mm. And so he's just like, just be careful, just be careful of that. Even though, you know, things have moved on somewhat since, when, you know, when I came out to him. But yeah, I was very, it was very sort of moved by the fact that he was moved, mm. if that makes sense. He surprised me. And I think that was one of the complexities, I suppose, I've, I've always tried to explore is that we were different, but we were quite, we were very, very close. And he just didn't, we didn't have a relationship where we would, um, you know, t- maybe talk about our feelings all the time. But then sometimes we would, actually, without me realising. It was sort of, it, but it wasn't the sort of like, as you imagine in a film, people being like, I love your dad. Yeah. It wasn't like that. No. And I think it's really funny re- reading in the book you were talking about um, how your dad would do lovely things like take your re- rubbish out for you and stuff. And it, it made me remind me of my own relationship. My dad, how I think a lot of, you know, generalising, but I think a lot of men are socialised to not to not be verbal about feelings at all. And so they find, mm. a bit like the water again, like they find their own way to express it. Yeah, it comes out, yeah. Yeah, it comes out. It comes out in stuff that you actually have to look twice and be like, that's how he says he loves me. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Mm. And of course there were times in my 20s particularly, I think when I was like, what is this? What? You know, whatever, and, and didn't understand it. Or or when even when I got my home... Him helping me, I'd be like, this is just you telling me that you don't think I'm grown up enough to look after my own house. You don't think I deserve my own house, which absolutely he did. He was the first one to encourage me to have it. Mm. Well, he yeah. probably wanted you out there. He probably wanted me. Living with your parents. Yes, it's probably that as well, I suppose. But um, kind of that sense of like, I almost wished that like my parents didn't care about me as much uh-huh. because it would mean I would be like, I don't know, I could just be like, yeah, I'm just one of those carefree gays skipping around london going yeah. to parties yeah. and not worrying never phoning home because they they've got their stuff going on and i've got my stuff going on i'm a london gay now i get a balance yeah and well, you can romanticize that stuff can't you so much and i did for such a long time and before i bought 
my home, I was convinced I needed to live in town. And I yeah. looked at these flats in, like, Elephant and Castle. And I was like, no, but there are gays here. I know there are gays here. And I need to be near the gays. I'm going to grow a moustache, get some oversized trousers, roll yeah. them up, yeah. and carry a tote bag, go to book clubs and, yeah. and brunches and have this kind of eclectic group of gay friends and we just have dinners and stuff. But yeah. that was a fantasy because... Well, I might have been able to achieve some of that, I suppose, but... Um, you'd rock that look. Well, thank you. I might grow a moustache. But you're... I've realised you've rolled up your trousers, but they're not the ones, they're not the ones I'm thinking of. Uh, they're the baggier ones. You often see people crossing a road with baggy trousers now. High-waisted. And a pleat. A pleat, yes, a pleated front. But then... A pleated front would be a great name for a book, wouldn't it? It w- Wouldn't it? Um... I had a trouser maker during the First World War. <laughs> <laughs> There's the next book. There's the next book. Pass the typewriter. Hello, that's the end of part one. Part two's on the feed. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Powered by Spirit Studios.